All right. All right. So we have a very, very special guest on the podcast today, um, Peter Bukowski, and we will be sure to let him introduce himself. Um, but thank you for joining. Um, make sure you subscribe. Uh, make sure you follow on Spotify, um, on our Apple podcast, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, but we have Peter Bukowski on today, which we are very excited about, Peter. If you, could introduce, if you could introduce yourself, we would be very grateful. <laughs> Hey guys, it's great to be here. I host Locked on Packers. I, uh, I co-founded The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Um, and uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Awesome. So Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we know there are a couple of things and you're limited on time, so we wanted to dive right into it. Um, but right away, we want to get into it. So Brian Gutenkiss had his press conference yesterday, which was Long awaited for a lot of Packers fans, uh, knowing that yeah. you know there was nothing done at the trade deadline, which some can speculate was a bad thing. Some can speculate eh, it really is you know hogwash. It's whatever. Um, so we just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on on what you thought of the press conference. I mean, again, he said a lot of things were going to be talked about in the off season, as we expected that he would. But he did address a couple of things, and I honestly thought that he did a good job representing himself and the Packers. So we wanted to get your thoughts on that and and, and kind of see where your head was at. Yeah, I mean, look, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, I wrote about it uh, for The Leap. It was the, the topic of my show. Um, I don't know what day this is going to come out, but it was the topic on Tuesday that we spent the most time on. We spent really a whole show talking about it. So it's hard to to distill it down into one basic idea. But I think, uh, you know, if, if I were going to distill it down, it would be that the Packers want Aaron Rodgers back, um, that the ball is in his court, and that they're not worried about Jordan Love that they think he's a starting caliber quarterback and whenever he's ready to play, he will play. And I think that's a, that's a pretty big thing for your general manager to say, right? Because we, we were speculating, we were making assumptions about a lot of these things without the evidence, without the information. And that then for Brian Gutekinds to give you that information, whether you want to believe him or not, like those are, those are other things or whether sure. you think that, sure. that he is right to believe the things that he believes. Look, uh, you know, I think reasonable people can disagree on some of that stuff. But for him to say, we think Jordan Love is a starting quarterback and that we don't need to see him play this year, I, I think it's really meaningful. And, and I, I actually love, guys, what he said about winning culture and feeling like they want their team to spend every week feeling like the only thing that matters to the organization is winning. Not getting a look at players, not evaluating anybody, just to say, go out there and win. And and that does give you a chance to do evaluations, right? Like if if guys aren't playing hard in a, in a game that doesn't matter, that tells you something about them. If guys aren't preparing with focus in a week leading up to a game that doesn't quote-unquote matter, you're still getting paid. And in the case of some of these guys who have not performed to standard this year, you're getting paid a lot of money. And so I think that tells you, that gives you information if you're the Packers on who is an actual building block moving forward. What if guys like Keyshawn Nixon and Rudy Ford continue to play really well? Have they earned opportunities to keep doing that? What if Darnell Savage can't stay healthy? What if Adrian Amos still looks a step slow? What you know? What if um, you know Al Lazard is is really just a blocker who can make some third down plays? Like he's become essentially a tight end in this offense, and he's a, he's a really nice player. I really like Al Lazard, but like I think that he thought he was going to have a sort of front line receiver one season. I thought he would have something closer to that this year. He hasn't. Well, that's going to affect how much money he gets paid. But if he keeps doing all of those things. That makes him really valuable to Green Bay. So they still get a chance to evaluate all these guys. I think that's that's the biggest thing here is they want to try and evaluate while winning. And I think that's the sign of a team that understands um, 
trying to do all this on the fly, which is not an easy thing. Yeah. And right. do you think, you know, if the Packers are mathematically eliminated, um, maybe is that the time that they try and at least put Aaron Rodgers on the IR, put Love in for a bit? The problem is I don't think you can phantom IR Aaron Rodgers because he's not going to yeah. lie about him being hurt, right? Like he's going to go on Pat McAfee and he's going to say, I'm not hurt. <laughs> um, and for better or for worse, right? I mean, this is, this is one of the things that we love about Aaron Rodgers is that he's willing to speak his mind. Um, and so – you don't want to take that away from him either. But at the same time, I think what you what you want to do is have a conversation with him. And if he if he comes to the conclusion, look, I think it's the best if, if Aaron Rodgers says, I think it's the best thing for our team <clears throat> to play Jordan Love and give some of these other guys an opportunity, then the team has to decide what they think the answer is and how much they want to fight with Aaron Rodgers about it. Because Brian Gudikins, you know, I think there is a, a sort of it's not uncharitable because it could be how they believe. And it's certainly Brian Goodikins would be well within his rights to say, Aaron, we don't care if you want to sit when we're mathematically eliminated, you're playing. Like a, a general manager can certainly say that to a star quarterback. We've seen teams try and take these sorts of hard lines, but I think you'd want to take all of this into consideration and say, okay, if you think the best thing for the team to do is sit, we disagree, but guess what? We're going to let Jordan Love play. Jordan Love is going to be the guy for the next couple of games. And we expect you to be a good teammate and, and go from there. I think that's a, that's a reasonable thing. Just like I said a couple of weeks ago, you know, I, I don't, I didn't need to see Aaron Rodgers play again, but letting him play against the bears one more time was a reasonable compromise. I think it's the same thing in this case. If he wants to sit, if he thinks Jordan love should get some opportunities. Okay, cool. It's, it's up to you. And it you was know, good to oh, go ahead. Tyler. I was just going to add on. It was good to say, I know, I don't know if he tweeted or said in a press conference at the end, but it was like, it's good to see him say like, you know, I'd be open to having love play. Um, saying that to the organization, just it feels like he really is starting to truly care and putting his ego aside. So, yeah, it's funny you asked that though, because in the same way, um, another classic Rogers comment uh, in the post game press conference, though, talking about uh, his, you know, days back at Cal and Marshawn Lynch and, mm. uh, you know, his time over there. And he's like, oh, I left a little bit early. Um, and I really have no regrets when he was being asked about the excitement of Romeo Dobbs and, and Christian Watson turning into an absolute superstar, which we can get into in a second. But, you know, it's just just a classic Rogers comment. And, again, it's going to cause so many people, like we're doing right now, to sit and have conversations <laughs> about it, about what did Rogers mean? Is he going to come back? Is he done? Yada, yada. I almost try not to even, like, look into these comments too much. But, again, another weird comment by oh, Rogers, kind that? of cryptic. And, uh, yeah, exactly. What's the fun in that? But, I mean, might as well, since we're on the show, might as well dive into it. I want to get your thoughts on that. And I know I heard you talk a little bit about it, and I saw a couple of tweets that you had about it. But I was curious about what your thoughts were. Well, I'll I'll give them, but I want to hear what you guys think. What did you guys think when he when you saw the quotes, when you heard the video or watched the video or or whatever? Like, how did you read that from him? Because I think reasonable people can can think differently about what he was trying to say there. To me, it was pretty straightforward. But I think there's there's at least two things that I think you could reasonably conclude from what he was saying, and, and they're pretty different. So, what did you guys think? I think from a general fan perspective, a lot of people might take that as if, you know, he might be done next year or this is his last year. That's from a reasonable fan, like a general fan perspective. That's what I would say. But Max, what about you? 
I think Aaron Rodgers is a genius, and I think that he likes to use leverage. Um, and I think that he's very careful about what he says and when he says it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, I said this even when he was threatening, demanding a trade and the, the rift with Gutenkist and Murphy and all that stuff. He's not leaving. I never thought that he was leaving. And right now, I don't think Rodgers could ever hang it up as a Packer on the note that he were at this year. I really, truly don't. I think that he's going to be back next year. Um, that is, do I fully want him back next year? I don't know. That's a more detailed conversation. But um, I think that what he's saying is just to get people talking, um, is to continue to keep the Packers organization on their toes. Uh, I think that's the reason why he says some of the things that he does. I don't think Rodgers is going anywhere. I refuse to believe, again, that he'd hang it up after this season. I don't think that he's ready to just give the keys to Jordan Love and say, go ahead and run with it. I think that he wants to stay. I think that he wants to be the Green Bay Packers quarterback, and he wants to have another shot with Watson and Dobbs. But that's my gut. He wants to keep the organization on their toes, and he wants to make sure that Goody, Murphy, and uh, Matt LaFleur keep saying the right things. But that's what I'll say. Okay, so here's here I think is the maximally charitable read of this from the Aaron Rodgers standpoint. If you're an Aaron Rodgers fan, if you're the kind of fan that that does not believe that there is there was ever that big a rift between these two and all that stuff, that when he brought up Cal, what he was saying was, "Look, I had an opportunity um, to stay at Cal and continue to flourish. I left and I made a, I took a risk and I became a Green Bay Packer, and I have no regrets about that." And that means a lot to me. That is one way I think you could reasonably read it. Do I think that's the most likely read? No. But I do think that, you told me you thought that's what he meant. Fine. Here's what I thought he meant. I had an opportunity to, because the question was, remember guys, the question was, does Christian Watson's star turn make it more likely for you to come back? And his response was, well, when I was at Cal, I could have stayed where I was with Marshawn Lynch and Deshaun Jackson and played. I decided to leave in an unknown situation, bet on myself, and it worked. And I have no regrets. When you answer that question that way, to me, I'm reading that as saying, I don't care if Christian Watson is great. I think I can go somewhere and make that situation better because I am that great. And by the way, he is that great. We just saw Matthew Stafford go to LA and win a ring in the first year. We just saw Tom Brady go to Tampa Bay and win a ring his first year. If Aaron Rodgers, like, let's say Miami wanted to get real crazy. Oh, God. They would they, be scary. <laughs> they, they could win a ring that first year with Aaron Rodgers. If the 49ers wanted to say, here's Trey Lance and and – Debo Samuel or whatever, like whatever the trade is, because they'd have to overpay to send him to San Francisco. They could win a Super Bowl right away with Aaron Rodgers. And so I think from his perspective, he's going, look, the decision is going to be made on what I think is the best situation for me. Just because this guy is having a nice season does not mean I'm staying for this guy. I'm mm -hmm. doing what's best for me, which, by the way, he should. That's his prerogative. We should all do the things that are best for us and the people we care about and the people in our lives, right? So that's what I think he meant. And I'm surprised more people didn't see that and go, wait a second. Earlier in the year, Romeo Dobbs, he, same question was asked. And he was like, yeah, you have to factor in, wouldn't it? Like, yeah. I, why wouldn't yeah. I want to come back? And he sort of said that. He was so elated when he talked about Dobbs. Yeah. And that was, that was many, many fewer losses ago. 
And so I just wonder if over the last six, eight weeks since he was asked that question the first time, because I believe that question was asked after the Patriots game, when you're still, I think they were two and one at that point, and they still look like they could be a real team if they got things going. And it's like, okay, Romeo Dobbs, like you guys are good and Romeo Dobbs. And now they are not very good. Romeo Dobbs is hurt. And now you have Christian Watson. And he's just sort of like, yeah, well, I, but I think I can do this anywhere. Like that, that sort of made me raise my eyebrow. Like that's a different yeah. tune than we heard early in the year. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. And that actually, I don't know what triggered in my brain when you just brought that up, but um, I just wanted to touch on, you had a take uh, on a podcast that I think it might've been like three or four, maybe like two or three weeks ago that you were talking about this, but you were talking about how the buy completely wrecked our season. LaFleur choosing that he wanted mm. to be 14 by as opposed to London. And right. I think what made, what made me start thinking about this is when you started mentioning about, um, you know, the Rogers tune over the course of the season after loss, after loss, after loss, right? Maybe, maybe it's just like wearing on him a little bit, you know, I want to just bring up again and reiterate to everybody who follows our podcast as well, you know, definitely, definitely listen to Peter's podcast. But what I would definitely say is that take that you had made so much sense to me. Like, <laughs> What a awful, awful decision. And I love Matt LaFleur. I, I absolutely love Matt LaFleur. I think he's a great coach. Um, I love that the guys are still fighting for him too. Like, I think that that speaks volumes. But, you know, the, that makes so much sense. Coming back, instead of taking that bye uh, right after that London game, you know, getting your feet back underneath you, getting some rest, getting your sleep schedule back on track, getting your practice schedule back on track, and, you know, allowing some time to prepare for a team like the Young and Hungry Jets. I mean, that speaks volumes. And maybe we're having completely different conversations and Rodgers is having completely different conversations right now in this season if we were to have done that. Yeah, and, and so just for, for people that didn't hear it, the, essentially the take was that, that the season was turned on its ear by, by the London trip. And, and I think, you know, just going to London, let's start there. Because on a new, like that was supposed to be a home game. That would be a Lambo game. And at Lambeau, maybe that goes differently than it ultimately went because you don't have the travel, because you don't have, you know, the, the home field advantage in, in London the same sort of way. So then you come home, you play this sloppy Jets game, you've got the commanders, and you, they just look gassed at the end of that game. Like, they were they were winning both the Giants game and the commanders game by double digits, and they just looked gassed at the end. They ran out of gas, and it's just sort of like, I think it's easy to think, well, what could what could that have been if they just had a little bit more rest? Finally, the last month, they're a little healthier offensively. They look like the team, more like the team, at least. We thought they were going to be. The defense still sucks. But, uh, you know, I, I think that you can make the case that that had a meaningful impact. All these close games. I mean, the Giants game, single possession at the end. The, the Commanders game, single possession at the end. Now, they got their butts kicked by the Giants. But the Lions, that was a game that they were in really the whole time and, and two bonehead Aaron Rodgers interceptions cost them that game, but they've, they've lost some of these close games and it's just hard not to wonder if they had a little bit more rest. Mm -hmm. They were on the short end of the rest (laughs) schedule a bunch this season for like six weeks straight. They were on the short end of it. And you know, then all of a sudden it was like all the way up until the Titans that they were, they were having to do all this stuff where like one team has got, 10 days rest and you have six. It was like, it seemed like that was every week. And sometimes right. it can all just sort of snowball on you. And, and right. if you look at the underlying metrics, that, that that speaks to that. Like the Vikings by DVOA, defense adjusted value over average, 
Like it's basically efficiency adjusted for schedule. The Packers have a better DVOA than the Vikings, but the Vikings have 10 wins. Well, they won a bunch of close games. The Packers lost a bunch of close games. That's how small the margin is in the league. And I, I really don't think there's that much a difference between those two teams, which is why if the Packers can win some of these games, why give can't us they the Vikings in the first round. Why can't they give be dangerous? 2-7. Like, I, I think yeah. you feel like a lot of Packer fans feel like, please, please, let's go to U.S. Bank Stadium and see that team again. I would love to see that team again. Like, I think there are a lot of fans that feel that way, especially because wasn't it in 2019 when that, those same Vikings fans were saying, please, we'd love to see the Packers in the postseason. We're better. They're fraudulent 13-3 and team. Well, this is the most yeah. fraudulent 10-2 and team in the history of the league. Yeah. Statistically. Last Statistically, week, I think they were but also like, but also like watch the games. Last week, I think they just broke the plane of breaking, going positive in point differential this week, which is absolutely disgusting, having that record. They've got 10 wins, and one of them is by double digits. <sighs> yeah, so but everybody knows, though, and it was the, the Packers – Everybody knows that the Packers would be undefeated if Christian Watson caught that first pass of the season. And that's just, that's just, and that is also just a fact. So I really, I really do think you joke, but I think, I think they win at least one more game if he does, because I think it changes his whole trajectory. I know he got hurt. And so like, that's a different thing, but there were a couple games where he's playing this sort of like tertiary role and he needed to have been playing a much bigger role. Only. Right. He was a gadget player. And it's like, well, if he catches that first one, he validates the coaches saying this guy can be a game changer for us. For Aaron Rodgers, he's looking at it going, we, I can throw him the ball. I can trust him to do things with it. I think it changes it changes a lot, not everything, but it changes a lot about this offense. It opens up so much more down the field. In, in a season where they've lost all these close games, like it couldn't change one of them. Like it couldn't have changed one of them. I think there's a good argument to be made that it could have. And I, I know we only got like one or two more questions for you, Pierce. So I'll let Tyler ask the next one, but I, I will, I will definitely say that you're 100% right. And I've been going back and forth thinking about Devont losing Devonte Adams really mean we're this much worse. And ultimately I think it played a very, very large impact in us. For sure. Worse. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't know this much worse. A lot of people are underperforming, but I'll have it out to Tyler to ask you, uh, yeah. ask you another question. So we wanted to dive a little bit into the defense and your thoughts and why, what happened? What was, why was it an absolute disaster this year? Obviously our rush defense, we let up damn near 400 yards the other week. Like what do you think has led to the disastrous tenure of um, our great defensive coordinator that needs to be gone after this year? Um, I think it's a lot of things. I think, the, you know, the continued atrophy of Darnell Savage's play is a huge one. Um, and, and no one has been a bigger fan of his going back to the draft than I have. Um, same with Adrian Amos. I've been a champion of Adrian Amos. Really going back to his time with the Bears, I thought he was a really underrated player in Chicago. I was very pleased when the Packers signed him. I thought that was a really smart signing. Um, Kenny Clark in the second half has not played the same level that he did through the first couple games. Um, that's pretty evident. Um, Devondre Campbell got hurt, missed a lot of the season, and was not when he was on the field early in the season playing to the same level that he was, you know, last year when he was an all-pro and a legitimate all-pro. Um, but they played a very different style. They were playing a lot of these, these hybrid dime fronts where you've got three safeties on the field and he's really the only linebacker. Now he's got to babysit Quay Walker and the run fits are different and – and so they tried to change a lot of this defense, and I think it was for the worse. Eric Stokes played worse. Russell Douglas has played worse. 
And so even getting Jair Alexander back on the field, when everyone else is playing worse, it's just hard to have a good defense. Rashawn Gary is really the only guy who year to year is playing better than he did the year before, and then he gets hurt. And so that 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 makes things difficult. It's great that Kingsley Anibari looks like a real player, like a legit mm-hmm. NFL pass rusher. He's excited. He's excited. He's excited. He's I just recognized him last week. Like where South Carolina fifth round okay. pick looks nice. incredible. Um, but you know, he looks like he was a better pick right now than Devonte Wyatt or Quay Walker. I mean, Devonte Wyatt can't get on the field. Quay Walker needs a map in run fits. And I, I just, it's, it's going to take some time there. And that, that's just all of that comes together with a, with a coach who, you know, I, I think he's in a lot of ways taken too much criticism this year. But all that being said, I, I just don't think it's working. And so that's part of why I think that they need to make a change. I just think there's other better candidates out there. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting. We still don't have a resolution to what's going on with Jim Leonard. Like all that kind of stuff. Like could 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 things get so bad in Denver that like they want to keep Ejiro Evero, but could, if they go 3-14, and 14, like how can you bring anyone from that staff back? Oh, what a disaster. What yeah, a couldn't, disaster. Couldn't, he, disaster. couldn't he suddenly become the defensive coordinator in Green Bay that Let's helps ride. them win a Super Bowl and then they he gets a head coaching opportunity? Like He might get a head coaching opportunity anyway, by the way, <clears> because <throat> that defense has been that good this season and that offense has been that pathetic. But I just wonder about that. Like If they go 3-14 and 14 and they give the second overall pick to the Seahawks, um, I, I, how do you keep anybody? And so I think there's just going to be better options. And if you're the Packers, you got to be going – we got to find a better option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, this this has been a year where it's like a, it just seems like a what can go wrong uh, will go wrong. A little bit of a Murphy's Law year, yeah. Yeah, what can go wrong will go wrong. And Peter, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up here, um, but I want to end. Question. Yes, I want to end on this note. All right, the Packers are going to be. Give me optimistic reasons why the Packers are going to be Super Bowl contenders in 2023. Possibly Super Bowl contenders in 2022, maybe, if we can win out and find a way to get in. And I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Crazier things have happened. But I'm an optimistic person. 2023-2024 season, give me optimistic reasons why the Packers are going to be Super Bowl contenders right now. Well, Russell Douglas is playing safety. Um, you have a new defensive coordinator. It's year two for Quay Walker, for Devontae Wyatt, for Christian Watson, for Romeo Dobbs, for Zach Tom, like this, for Kingsley and Ibarra, like this class could turn out to just be an absolute home run class for Brian Gutekinds. And if that's the case, year two, that's when you make the biggest leap, year one to year two. You get Eric Stokes back. You, you, you know, you bring Alan Lazard back on a reasonable contract. And now you've got a hungry team again. And you've turned over some pieces. Rudy Ford comes back. Keyshawn Nixon comes back. And Devondre Campbell comes back healthy. Rashawn Gary comes back. You know, who knows when he'll actually be able to come back and look like Rashawn Gary again. Um, but he'll be back on the team. Now you have a draft with some nice draft picks. Um, and, you know, if Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback, yeah, you have a chance to win the Super Bowl because this team is still very talented. The reason that this season is so disappointing is because they're talented. Like, that's the reason that this is disappointing. So another year with an offensive line that's had to shuffle around a lot of pieces. Now you're in year two. Josh Nyman, you're a right tackle. John Rennie Jr., you're the right guard. Elton Jenkins, you play left guard. Josh Myers, you're the center. And then Zach Tom, you're the, either the left tackle 
2023 or you're the left tackle of the future. Everyone gets to settle into a place. And I think that has so much value. And then I, I can't understate what year two with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs could be. I mean, Des Bryant oh, said he thought so that they could be a top five receiver duo. It is just so exciting to think about what they could be together, um, you know, underneath middle of the field, intermediate routes and over the top. They they can they can win everywhere. They can create big <clears throat> plays from anywhere. You pair that with this running game with Aaron Rodgers. If they can improve the defense just a little, I mean that's what we thought last year, right? The if the offense stays falls back a little bit but the defense gets better, well the offense fell back a little bit and the defense got a lot worse. And that can't happen. So if you can just some guys change spots, you get a new DC in there, I think that can do a lot um, for the Packers moving forward, but we'll see. Awesome. Well, Peter, we thank you so much for, for coming on our podcast today. You know, make sure you tune into the leap, make sure you listen to lockdown Packers and you run the whole lockdown sports network, Peter, right? Well, I don't run it, but we do have lockdown sports today, which is our big sports show. Um, I would love today if they want to pay me to run it, I'm happy to do it. Um, <laughs> but lockdown sports today is our, is our flagship show. Um, all sports. It's like the first 15 minutes of Sports Center. So all the big stories that you want to hear, and, and um, it's on YouTube, it's on streaming. So um, yeah, go check that out. Would love to hear. Would love to have people come come find that. And I do have one quick last question. I'm dying to know. I saw it on your Twitter. Tell me the story of how Donald Trump butt dialed you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I was work. I was working on a. I was working on a story. And the story was about um, his golf courses in um, his golf courses were in his filings for president. You have to disclose all of your holdings. And he said that they were worth, you know, all of them were worth $50 million or whatever he said. And in all of those local jurisdictions or in many of them, he was fighting the valuations with town and county assessors saying these golf properties are worth nothing. You should be taxing me at a lower rate. And so I wanted to know, Donald, how do you square these things? <laughs> you say on your filings, they're worth all this money. And then when it comes to local government, you're saying they're worth nothing. Explain to me the deal. And so I called uh, a contact, at one of his, his um, handlers is the wrong word, but she's like his, one of his managers. And she said, okay, well, he'll call you maybe next week. It was right during the New Hampshire primaries in 2020. And, or no, 2016. And I'm like, okay, I didn't think anything of it. I, I go back, I've been living in New York City. My apartment happened to be like two blocks from my office. So I walk back to my apartment for lunch. I'm eating my lunch. I'm mid bite of my sandwich. And I get a blocked number call. And I pick up and it's the Donald. Oh my and God. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And he wants to talk because he wants to talk golf courses. He wants to talk golf. The guy just loves golf. (laughs) And so we do the, we do the interview and I have to say, I was expecting a lot of like bluster and, and, you know, I was expecting the character and I didn't really get it. And so it caught me off guard a little bit. And so I wasn't, I wasn't as dogged as I should have been in the interview. I was, it was not my best interview because I was very, I, I think he did it on purpose knowing that like I was not expecting his call. So he catches me off guard and I, I didn't handle it well, I had to say. I, I luckily <laughs> ended up getting a second interview with him and I was able to handle that one, I think much better. We got, 
I was able to be a little bit more pointed in some of my questions because he gave me what I thought were some reasonable answers to some of the questions that I had, but I didn't follow up on them in the way that I should have. Anyway, the point is the first call ends. Okay. I'm like, holy crap. That was wild. And then I get a call right away from the block number again. And I pick it up and I hear uh, Trump say, how was that? And I fine for me, if it was okay for you, like uh, that was what I said. And then I hear <laughs> rustling and the call. Oh, and that's oh, when I realized. Oh, Don. Yeah. He puts the phone in his pocket, asks his PR person, how did that go? And he's calling me in his pocket. Oh. And I'm sure they heard, <laughs> they heard me because they're probably like in a conference room or in a car. Um, and I pictured, I, for whatever reason, I picture him in a car, like in a, in a limo. An executive. And, uh, limo. Yeah. And so then I heard him, the shuffling, and then that means he's turning the phone off. So I don't oh, know for sure that that's God. what happened, but that's what I assume happened. What an amazing it. story. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And then, and then, you know, four months later, five months later, he's elected president. And I, I never, in that moment, I never expected that to happen either. So it became like, you know, a much bigger deal then than it would have just been. Like it would have just been a sort of curio story that I get to tell in, in New York City, but the only people who care are there. Um, and now it's a much different, much different thing, obviously. You should have called him back and told him he was fired. Now that would have been great. Like, you bought out me, you're fired. But anyway, well, you can't you can't call back block numbers, so I couldn't yeah, have right. called him back, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Oh that God. makes sense. I that love it, Peter. Cool. We uh, so we won't take up any more of your time, but we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, you know, make sure you follow Lockdown Packers and the Leap, um, Peter. Thank you for your time. And remember, don't forget to subscribe to the Intellectual Idiots on YouTube. Uh, follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and we are out. Have we a great day. We appreciate you guys. very much. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Of course, guys.